Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and motivational speaker. Today we have our returning guest. This is nice. He's part of a series here, uh, Questions from Paul, and we're going to continue in that vein. Paul is a new teacher, relatively new teacher, as he's going into his second year of teaching, and he decided... If you haven't caught the first episode, I loved his line. He decided, uh, why not begin by learning the way he kind of wants to teach, sort of kind of moving forward as opposed to sort of do the traditional thing for the first two, three years. Then once he's got his feet wet, sort of say like, what do I want to add or change? He's like, kind of what do I want to become as a teacher and started in that vein. And I love that. Uh, but I love having Paul back on. But Paul, for those that are catching this episode for the first time, episode 127, uh, mm-hmm. give, them, give them a brief introduction of yourself. No, that was a the great introduction on its own. Um, I'm a fifth grade teacher, Colorado Springs. This is my second year. And I'm the story of my year is gamifying. And I mean, you'll hear some of the rest of my story through my questions that I have, for sure. Awesome. Uh, And full disclosure, before we move on, when we do these questions from Paul series, mm, neither of us know where it's going to lead. Neither of us have, like, shared each other's questions. So this is just just two guys chit-chatting about what we love in our classrooms and trying to help each other out. And we both hope that it helps you guys out as well. So Absolutely. Yeah, before we move on, one last sort of uh, commercial break, and that is just a commercial for, you can see all of these episodes if you want to like see it, kind of like Hive Summit or some of the other online PDs, all of the well-played podcasts starting, I guess, episode like 40 or something are on my YouTube channel. So if you go to youtube.com slash Mr. Matera, you can see these. Also, Paul and I would love for you guys to post comments there as well. So this is episode 127. If you have any questions or just comments or high fives or whatever, give them there. All right, Paul. Absolutely. I'm ready ready for question one. All right. So I told you a little bit before we went on that my kids found out about the podcast and were clamoring to watch because, hey, you're on YouTube. Isn't that cool? But what (laughs) what I thought, the reason I brought it up was... I realized it would be cool to give them a chance to ask you a question since I'm working mainly out of your book and I'm using your template and stuff. And so I thought, hey, for the first for the first question, come up with a question. And it's a good back to step one question. Sure. And they basically said, why did he start gamifying? So why did you start gamifying in the first place eight, ten years ago? Solid question. So. Why did I start gamifying? I got to say, like, as any teacher, we get into this profession to sort of shape and mold kids to sort of make a positive impact on their lives to to build relationships. And when I started to play board games for the sort of first time in my adult life, it was at a friend's house. We really enjoyed the game. I wasn't really a gamer per se, growing up. I loved board games, but my family didn't really like play them, so that meant it, I never really developed that into a hobby uh, because I never really had anybody to play board games with, <laughs> so I just did sort of the normal stuff. Uh, but when I got older and my went to my friend's house, played a game, loved it, and I said, this would be good for kids, so I bought a couple copies and played at recess with some kids, and, and I really saw like how they loved the game and like both the social interactions as well as the like board interactions where it was like, you know, 
building something, taking something, whatever. And I really just sort of truthfully like looked at my classroom and was like, why don't we build in some of these mechanics? Why don't we use some of the things that a game does? Mm-hmm. And so I, I started to apply those techniques to my design, you know, like there'd be a neat trick taking card game. And I was like, well, couldn't there be a thing where maybe we all do math problems? at the time I was a fifth grade teacher did all the, all the subjects. And I thought, well, we could do kind of a trick taking math game. Um, I don't even remember the rules to it, but it was kind of around that same mechanic where, you know, kids would do things and try to take it. And it made everyone interested in the math problems because it meant each group had a chance of taking the trick. Um, so nonetheless, it really came down to engaging kids and building relationships. And at the time, and actually I still feel like this is true, but at the time there was no pedagogy that I felt blended those two. There was things that were Mm -hmm. like, here's great research skills. Here's great, like, you know, team building skills, but there wasn't anything that I really felt truly fused the two on a on a daily basis. I mean, right. some in social studies, some simulations do a good job of, you know, bonding the team at the beginning, like maybe a civil war game, they would like name their regiments or something. And that's, that's a piece of gamification. But then the rest of the unit was just like content, you know, it was like, well, mm-hmm. you had a moment of like team building and then the rest was content gamification. I really truly think at all points, it's, it's team building, it's relationship building while diving deep into content and, and letting those inquisitive minds sort of explore the game. Awesome. All right. That was my kids' questions, and now it's on to my question. Um, the next big mechanic I'm adding in later this month or early October is gold. So mm. what does gold look like in your classroom? And more specifically, how do you use gold different than XP? Like when you're giving out some sort of reward or some sort, how does gold differ from XP and what can they use gold for? Solid question, Paul. Solid question. Uh, so first disclaimer, I always tell everybody when I do a workshop, you know, when I tell you how my game works, that is not the mm-hmm. answer. I mean, you're talking to a guy that now has over like 600 different board games. Like these mechanics, while could look familiar, you know, probably half my board games have some sort of gold mechanic to them. They don't all work the same. It's not always just straight up like, we'll buy this with the gold. Like some of it, the gold's your points. Some of it, the gold is your points and you spend it. So it's this interesting dynamic. Is it worth buying that upgrade? Because I'm losing points to mm-hmm. get the upgrade. Like there is no perfect answer. So I just want to make sure everybody listening, it's not like I'm saying this is how gold must be used. This is how I use it. And Mm -hmm. your game will be different, Paul. But how mine works on my leaderboard uh, sort of system, there's a spot for gold. And there's actually a spot where you can, there's like a script in there where you can assign salaries to certain people and you can kind of push Mm -hmm. the button and it'll like pay people those salaries. And then there's a bunch of columns next to it where, which is just like a general ledger that I use. And in there you can add, right? You put a positive number or a negative number if they're spending it. So to answer your question more specifically about the XP versus gold, those are two separate things. XP for me is just a like point counter for how much you've engaged in the game. And it's, it's kind of an infinite system. It could go on forever. Like you mm-hmm. never know how many activities you're going to add. 
how many opportunities you're going to give kids a chance to earn points. But all that number only points up. That number only grows. Uh, and then gold is more of a traditional money system that you would expect. So I, I want to get to how they earn it because that was a, another piece that you added there. But like gold is the thing that they're going to trade in to buy. Mm-hmm. And XP is going to continue to grow. Uh, now how they get gold versus XP versus some of the other features I have like items and badges, I really use like a tiered system where XP is the lowest form of payment. Mm-hmm. So like that, that's the easiest to acquire. And I definitely like this strategy of a tiered system. So I'll, let, I'll finish that comment though. It goes XP for me. Then it goes items. Then it goes badges. So badges are actually one of the hardest things to achieve. Now, gold for me gets given out in different situations. One, I have some items that generate gold. So that might be a reason to like acquire certain items. And mm-hmm. some of them work together. So it's like, ooh, like if you get this one thing, maybe you make 20 bucks a week or whatever. Or 20 gold a week but if you had this plus this plus that like oof, now you're making 180 a week or whatever um so there's some set collection there which is kind of cool and that's a reason to try to drive towards those items if you're a student mm-hmm. that enjoys that uh there are some activities in class where i say are worth gold there are some hidden sort of treasures which are just gold uh i mm-hmm. use some scratch offs for those you can go on amazon and buy <laughs> scratch off stickers for like eight bucks you can get like 500 of them and you just print like so i print like uh i have one that's a forest clearing so it's like a clearing and then right where it clears in the graphic i just put like i print what number i want like here's 100 gold here's a Mm -hmm. random item and then you just put that scratch off over it which is a transparent thing underneath the the filament right like a scratch off yeah that's really cool so, I mean, like, I have three or four different settings for those. So, kids can say they're going to go explore and get those. And some of them say you didn't get anything. Like, you searched the clearing and mm-hmm. nothing was there. <laughs> um, and so, that's one way they can get gold. And then I do have uh, some side quests say this one's worth gold. Some of my badges say you can earn gold for doing side quests. And I'm trying to give kids, the more you build into your game, the more you can have items, power-ups, and badges built around that mechanic. So there's certain like kids that love earning gold and say they earn gold and they enjoy earning that gold. So they go for those items and badges that earn gold. Other kids are like, I'm okay just to get the kind of base gold that you get. Uh, I forgot to say when they level up on my spreadsheet, you can give a gold reward for leveling up. So as they go up the XP chart and they go from level one to level two, they might make 50 gold. And then when they go from level two to level three, maybe it's 75 gold. And so that's just like guaranteeing everyone will get some amount of gold to spend throughout the game. Uh, But I like that tiered system because Mm -hmm. uh, of XP being the base, then items, then badges, because one, it, it, it adds that game and, mechanic where in a video game you're constantly getting points like literally Mm -hmm. in the the original mario brothers your points were just counting up by just Mm -hmm. your existence like just you haven't died yet so here's five points (laughs) you haven't died yet so here's five points it was just constant points but uh if you gamify 
you know you want to be careful not to cheapen things you don't want to like make it so easy but at the same time you also don't want to go too hard where like only basically only kids that would get a solid a plus in your class are going to get items and badges and points like you you right. want kids to to feel it so i like that xp can be everyone can kind of feel that and earn that and feel good about it and then like oh yours was really good paul like you're gonna get you're gonna get 200 xp and an item and then that's where we can have those discussions where you're like well i'm really trying to work on like earning lots of money and i'll look at your items and be like oh you already have you know whatever you have like the gold stash oh plus if you get the the vault like (laughs) that'll be awesome Mm -hmm. you know those kind of things what what can they spend gold on other than items or is it just purely item store so for me it's probably 85% item store currency. Uh, I don't know if you watched my video on buildings that I have. So it's these, Mm -hmm. you know, so do you, okay. So there are these like hung images that are buildings. Some of those they have to spend gold on to like utilize those buildings. powers. So activating buildings, using items, or I mean, sorry, buying items. And then I have some whole class purchases that I started to add. So, kids could kind of like contribute towards uh, possibly getting a building that only your house can use. Cause like mm-hmm. you, you, your house have chose to chip in 2000 gold to unlock that uh, power. Um, so I do that too, but those, awesome. those are, those are kind of the main spendable. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, what do you, what do you think of, cause my idea for gold two was to kind of use it, as a behavior management piece, so I could issue fines, and oh, yeah. and since I told them I can't take XP away, gold is something I can give them. But then I could, hey, you you won't stop talking while I'm trying to talk. That's a twenty gold fine, kind of thing uh, like that. That can work. Um, I don't know if you're also going with the heart system. Some people use the like life system, you right? Know, and like you could ding a heart for that. Money would work. That'd be fine. Again. I try, I try really hard not to do many behavioral management things. I know lots of people do. That wouldn't be the worst case scenario. I love that you're still allowing that XP to grow, right? And especially with the the idea that XP stands for experience points, and I think that maps perfectly onto school because like mm-hmm. no one can say you're goofing off today, so I'm going to make it so that you forgot how to read. Like once exactly. you learn something, <laughs> yeah, you learn it. And that's mm-hmm. what experience points is. Like, you did something super awesome yesterday just because you're goofing off today. I can't take away yesterday's experience. So I love that you keep that going up. Fines wouldn't be bad. Um, and again, too, every t- I don't want to totally discourage using it as behavioral management. Every time you make a rule, that's a new opportunity for new items, new power-ups. Right. So there could be things that could get them out of a fine or reduce fines by half or mm-hmm. help a buddy out so you can encourage that collaboration where, like, you yeah. can't use it for yourself but like, you know, kind of like a bodyguard kind of mm-hmm. thing where like the bodyguard can't protect himself, but he protects the other. Yeah. You know, you can do those kind of mechanics then, which is fun. I like that. All right. Um, question two. This one's this one's something I was kind of trying to figure out while we took one of the district mandated tests. How do you, if at all, or have you heard of anyone who somehow can incorporate the standardized testing throughout the year into the game. Obviously you can't do it during the test because very strict, but 
does that impact the game and how do you how do you fit it in? Uh, I haven't heard of anybody actually fitting the actual test into their game, but I have heard of people who build things around the test. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, this depends on what your school does, but this one um, this this one teacher I know built up a lot of like little mini competitions and micro competitions that were like some fun minute to win it challenges, some fun things that actually worked on what was going to be on the test where mm-hmm. they actually, she put them in teams and they were trying to like earn some things for their team, for their test. Uh, you could do that. That would work. And it kind of made like the, the, the prep for the test a little fun. It mm-hmm. made like little mental brain breaks that were just kind of silly. If you're going to have them sit for 45 minutes to take some math part one and then another 30 minutes math part two. And it's like, you can't just go into like, we're done with testing today and now we're going to learn my language arts. Like, oh my gosh, your kids will like mm-hmm. hate you for They'll it. Mutiny. So, <laughs> yeah, so like know full well that the week you're giving those tests, that's your main thing is you're giving your tests. So what do you do in those other moments? Could you have a, a fun like minute to win it sort of challenge, you know, that gets them excited, fired up, keeps your attendance high because then kids will want to mm-hmm. come like for those. Uh the other thing that when you asked, I've never heard anybody doing this, but like you could build into the game sort of like the skill sets you want them to bring on that day. So like right. are like, oh man, like we're this is a big like in my game, Realm of Nobles, you know, I would I would say it's like a big battle we're about to go do, you know, this is huge. And we need you guys, these warriors, to be like the, the strongest, the best you could be. So like maybe if, hey, if we all bring in healthy snacks tomorrow, like that'll like help us in the game. Mm-hmm. And so you'll attribute something that you want them to do in real life to the game, which should actually have good benefits. Hey, yeah. if, if your parents, if you can bring in like make a cool scroll looking thing, if, you know, and maybe like come up with a name for their parents, like, you know, call them like whatever like i was about to say like wise elders but you may not want to do that (laughs) but if you get them to sign off that like you went to bed early last night Mm -hmm. you know or you like stopped screen time at like six and went to bed by like 7 30 if you get them to sign it and bring it in like that helps the game but Mm -hmm. you also know research shows like that's going to help their test scores because they had a good night's sleep and they're they weren't looking at screen time too late and all that other stuff i like that and since the big test isn't for another couple months, I can let that kind of stew and sure. percolate. And I love that. All right. This one has been big for me. And we talked about it a little bit last time. But how do you balance curriculum and game planning in the room and time spent on both in the room? Ooh. So this will become harder for teachers that work on teams like my answer will be harder for teachers that work on teams where like two of the teachers aren't doing it, you're doing it, but you have to stay in pace with them because like mm-hmm. they're expecting you to be on math lesson, you know, 6.4. You know, you can't be too far behind or too far ahead. Uh, I do have the luxury, like I am the sixth grade social studies teacher. So I set my pace. Yeah. So, so I mean, there's there's my giant asterisk. But to answer your question, because... We all still have a job to do. We all still have to get through 
so much content or at very least hit so many skills. Um, I try really hard every time I think of a game mechanic. The first question I ask myself is, how much is this on me? Because mm -hmm. one, it's not fun if it's on me because the kids would have to wait. And I teach, being middle school, I teach like 90 kids. Mm -hmm. If there's some new mechanic where it's like I have to hand something out to all 90 every time, that's a huge bottleneck, which means that's only going to happen once a month, which in game terms, that might as well not be happening. <laughs> like right. these, these kids are used to video games that happen every five minutes something happens. Something once a month isn't, isn't impactful uh, in, in this light, in a reward sort of light. It's not impactful. Um, so I, I try to think that first every time I build a new mechanic. How, you know, how can I make this student on the students? Or mm -hmm. you know, is this mechanic only something that's happening to a few students at a time? Like my buildings, you know, they don't all get activated. They don't all like... So, I mean, I'm only dealing with like five or six students at a time. Like that's not that bad of a bottleneck. So one, I try to do that because then I can minimize the amount of time and impact it has on class. Two... We have to, as teachers, stop seeing time as a zero-sum game. It, it It is not merely, I spent five minutes on the game. That literally meant that was five minutes less of instruction. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds crazy, but it works. I mean, this is like I've been doing, in some form, I've been doing gamification now for like 15 years. Like, what I have seen, and, and and here's here's a way that I think most teachers will understand it. When you take time to do team building activities, you know that it's like, wow, we spent 30 minutes on Monday doing some team building. Didn't spend any more time the rest of the week. So I mean, what does that average out to? Like six minutes a day, you know, if mm -hmm. you break it out. But the amount of like effort, focus, you know, enthusiasm you got the rest of the week was way more than the 30 minutes you invested. Right. Like, I think we have to start realizing that that time does work that way in a classroom. You know, it's not just minute for minute. It's like how valuable is the minute. And if I can give some game time, which I'll be honest, like I've, I've allowed more game time as the years progressed because I saw what I got out of the rest right. of the time. But at first, it was I was a little nervous about it. So I only I only used to when I first started. I I would say it was like probably like five six minutes is all mm -hmm. I dedicate because it was merely like just paying the back for quests, and that was mm -hmm. it. Uh, other things that fit game time, but also curriculum time. Like if I was doing a boss battle, I didn't really count that as game time because a boss battle is just a themed out right. review. So like I still counted that as class time, not game time. So, I mean, if all you're doing is handing back items and power-ups and that kind of stuff, that can be those loose change minutes, I call them. Mm -hmm. You know, like everyone's working and you're not doing anything. And yes, like you're going around and saying like, good job. Oh, I like your starting paragraph. But you could also use a minute of that time to be like, and I owe Billy an item and I own like Susie an item. Right. So like, while they're all working on their journals, you bop over to Billy and say, hey, Billy, like, I really liked your quest. Here's your item. That's that loose change moment mm -hmm. isn't impacting your, like, curricular time at all. Um, 
So that's another way to sort of capture game time without being content time. Uh, and again, uh, the more time you spend thinking about how to dovetail the two together, like I said, with the boss battle, that's another like kind of doesn't count, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that, that's areas where the game can appear without it taking curricular time. But to also be frank, I have put just some more game time into right. my, into my class too. I think it's good for kids. So the other year because we're just starting so i don't kids don't have items or whatever but mm-hmm. towards like the second semester when a lot of kids have items and power-ups and these kind of things sometimes i have five extra minutes and i could review some more questions i could but sometimes i'm like all right guys like here's gonna be some open time if you want to like trade some items try to maximize your guilds you can do that just mm-hmm. be respectful of time and be respectful of volume or whatever Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they had five extra minutes to just look at their items and trade and, and be 11 and be 11 yeah. in our classrooms, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like sometimes we're so adult and like, that's mm-hmm. not like, you know, like let them be 11, let them be them. Yeah. What about on the planning side of things? I know it looks a little bit different from you and from me. Cause we talked last time where I'm still working on what am I actually teaching Sure. And then on top of it, I'm doing the game. So I know it looks a little bit different, but how do you kind of budget that time during your plan time, during your after school time of, hey, I'm building a game and hey, here's what I here's what I need to get taught. So for me, you're, you are entirely correct. Like this being my 12th year teaching world history, same curriculum, same, 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 same. I already know what the unit has to do. Like, Sweet. We're going to roll up on Mesopotamia. Actually, this is a good example. I am changing my Mesopotamian unit, but I know the like core concepts that I have to get through. Mm-hmm. With that change, though, is an opportunity to change the game story. So a lot of my units are little mini vignettes, and they don't always like fit the actual realm of nobles theme. So, I, And I somewhat like this because it, it, it can alleviate some of the fear from other teachers. Your story doesn't have to be this like perfect novel. Like mm-hmm. my kids are in the realm of nobles, ancient, not ancient, sorry, like medieval times of Europe is sort of the look and feel and vibe of my game. Yet our first unit, we're going to be helping Mesopotamia. Like that doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But no, like kids don't care and kids mm-hmm. all accept it. I literally like, maybe once every two years get a kid that asks that question like wait how does this like <laughs> but the rest of them never say anything it's just fun and it's good so uh but to answer your balance of of time my curriculum time will probably only be maybe a third it's two-thirds game but that's because i i know i already know right. the curriculum and so it's more cool i have these objectives cool I have these these skills that I want kids to work on. Now, what's a story I could wrap that in? Like, why are we in Mesopotamia? Whoa. And kind of going to that example of the boss battle, how that's like a themed out curriculum mm-hmm. thing. I, I sit down and think, how can I theme out? Like, what is it? Like, oh, like maybe, maybe like we're going to be helping making the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Now, like, now what would that mean? Like, what would that mean in terms of my curriculum? Like, oh, like maybe they have to go around and like go on different, maybe each of the sections of my book is going to be them collecting different botany samples 
to put in, right? And the botany mm -hmm. samples aren't actually botany samples. It is literally, we just read section one and that's about the geography of Mesopotamia and we're collecting different like bits. And I maybe actually give them an actual physical like card that's like, you know, you got, your, your guild did so well, you collected three botany samples, right? For the hanging gardens, this is gonna be great, it's gonna be beautiful. Or maybe I'll do a like actual physical thing where maybe I actually start, maybe I take a picture of the hanging gardens of Babylon, like an artistic picture, and cut it up into puzzle pieces and we're slowly building it and mm -hmm. they actually literally see it over time, right? But it, it's these game elements that I can then connect to content elements. Yes. Uh, but it's all those. I also spend quite a bit of time on where can I at very least drop themes. So even if even if I don't do this big connection like I was just describing, maybe we're just mm -hmm. gonna do Mesopotamia. I'm just gonna teach them some vocab, teach them some other things, and we're gonna just be almost a regular unit. Then I still will take some time. How can I make the game at least somewhat appear? So do I, hey, for the the project directions, can I at least go find a scroll image to put that on? You know, so mm -hmm. at least at least I'm taking the time to make it feel medieval, make it somewhat connect to our game. Hey, let me thumb through the textbook. What are some key concepts? What are some cool names of places and people and artifacts? Can any of those turn into game items? So at very least, some of the contents coming out in my items and power-ups and badges. So we hit that Mesopotamia unit and they start working with stone tools and there's like a stone spear, there's like a stone knife, like... These are things I didn't have originally in my game. And it was, you know, like year three, year four, I'm doing exactly what I'm telling you. I'm thumbing through the textbook. And I was like, <gasps> they like totally talked about like the plow here. Like what mm -hmm. could a plow do in my game or in my classroom? Like, oh, like, for example, I do not have a plow, but I do now have a building that's uh, this like farm building, which mm -hmm. earns them certain gold because I'm pretending they're selling some of their like crops if they're pretending to be a farmer for that period. Well, Right here, right now, like I just invented an item. Like I could now in the Mesopotamia unit give out a plow that amplifies all like farming done. They may get that and maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do like a base. This earns you like five gold. And at this point in the game, that's a lot. Like right now, no one has the ability to earn gold. So if a kid could earn five gold on the plow when it gets activated, that'd be sweet. But then it'll have this text on the bottom that says also like doubles all other agricultural things. And at the time, there are no other agricultural things. So they'd be like, well, I don't get that. And it's like, yeah, it'll be fine. And then all of a sudden, when I hang that farmer, that farm building, mm -hmm. they're going to be like, well, wait a minute. I have that item. They're going to hit their their binder and they're going to say, holy cow, like I can I can double that. Like the farm makes us 100 gold. Like I'm going to make 200 gold because I have this plow that I got three minutes mm -hmm. ago. Like that's sometimes fun to build in elements that are going to appear larger than life later on and maybe at the time it was a bit of a dud don't tell them don't necessarily like coach them that it's going to be awesome later on just say like things are going to happen and maybe some of them don't happen as well as i just said and that's that's okay that happens in video games and some will even be bigger amplifications than what i just said love it so i mean i can't believe it but we are we're already at the <laughs> We're already at that 30-minute mark, and we still mm -hmm. have to do the uh, reflection time. Uh, Sounds I, good. I loved these questions, uh, and I hope that we we continue with this series, Paul. This is awesome. Absolutely. I got a lot out of the answers. So. Uh, hopefully other people <laughs> did as well. <laughs> um, 
So for the reflection time quote, it actually kind of goes with this, this idea of questions here. And I'm going to want you to answer this first because I had to answer all the other questions. Sounds um, good. And I do have to say I apologize. I thought about it after the third question. I was like, I really should have Paul answering these questions too. So <laughs> next time we're, we're going to like, I'll answer and then I'll say like, how do you handle it? I Sounds apologize good. about that. No worries. Um, so, okay. This quite this this quote comes from Eugene Janesco, and it is, it is not the answer that enlightens, but the question. And Paul brought all the questions today, people. Paul's the one that enlightened <laughs> us today. <laughs> um, I like that in terms of, in terms of kind of my philosophy and how I run my classroom, um, the questions that the kids ask me, I try as little as possible to give them an answer because I want them to go find the answer. So instead of giving them an answer, I might give them a tool to go find the answer, or I might give them help in how can you find that? How can you use your magic iPad tool that can give you all these answers? How can you seek it out and find it? And so I think when we talk about how kids learn, there is more power in having the question and then seeking the answer instead of just being given the answer. And so that question has tremendous power because if, if I teach you something you weren't curious about, it's going to be less impactful than if you had this burning desire in your brain to know something and then you found it, that's going to stick with you forever. Solid answer. Uh, mine would, play on similar themes. I just think that it's this idea that a question is a question is uh, exploratory. A question is mm -hmm. the beginning of a journey. An answer is an end of the journey. It's a closed door. And like we while we may want those things and that's good and that's important to like obviously acquire knowledge and get those things. The truly enlightening moment is the question. That's that's an open door. Mm -hmm. That is a we don't know where it's going to go. We don't know what it's going to lead. It's going to probably open other doors that we're going to have to then go find those answers, which mm -hmm. are only open more doors. It's that power of curiosity that I absolutely love. Uh, and I think truly transforms our learning. And then there are those great questions that don't have an answer. That's right. And sometimes you learn the most from not getting an answer and just sitting with a question. That's so right, Paul. Thank you again, Paul, for coming on for the Questions with Paul series. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna we're gonna definitely be continuing these. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And Can I toss one more thing in? Yeah. Now that my kids know that this is here, if a kid watches this, here's their here's an Easter egg. Five hundred XP if you come and tell me that you saw me on this, and we'll say headphones is the uh, is the password you got to tell me. I love it. I'm gonna toss an extra hundred points in Paul's game to Paul's kids. Uh, oh, actually I'll even include it for my kids. If any of my kids made it this far into this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> uh, if you guys have a question for me or Paul, Paul or I, uh, we would love to hear from you guys as well. That would be awesome. You or if you have an answer to one of my questions, that's different from what you had. That's awesome. So share those out. We'd love it. Uh, everyone else, thank you so much for taking the time to be part of 
the well-played community check out xp lab community on tuesdays at 9 p.m this week we are doing well tonight i should say right tonight <laughs> we are doing our first ever xp lab live youtube uh sweet so, so we're gonna like go over to youtube and if you go to my channel it'll be right there it'll be like the first video you can't miss it uh, click in there and there's going to be a chat window and we're going to have a great, great, great time. As always, everybody, enjoy your week and play on.